0: Iowa's News Now Sports brings you black and gold glory. Your all access pass to all things Hawkeyes. This is Eye on the Hawks.
1: Just told Gary and Ed, you know, we did we pulled out the pass restroom on Wednesday. I've I'd, I'd been freeing to do that or suggest that. And uh, so we did it Wednesday. It seemed to work. I'm joking. But uh, <laughs> no, it just uh, was a good effort by all the guys.
2: LOL, Kirk. LOL. Welcome to Eye on the Hawks, our Sunday live edition post-Purdue. A 20-14 win for the Hawkeyes over the Boilermakers, going to 5-1 and one on the season. Mitch Vick, Owen bring Mike Howell here. Breaking everything down, we will start with the pass rush play. It was a nice time to finally call that, I suppose. Uh, as you heard Kirk joking after the game there, six sacks, 12 tackles for loss. Uh, just huge performance by the defense, one that a lot of people have been waiting for, clamoring for... A little more on the stat sheet. Maybe we've seen the pressure coming from the front seven for the Hawkeyes just hadn't gotten to the quarterback. They did so and then some on Saturday against the Boilermakers and the boys afterwards talked about maybe circling the wagons a little bit ahead of the game to maybe put a little more emphasis on keeping it loose and fun out there before the game against Purdue.
0: Um, We kind of got together as a a unit, um, like a player led little meeting on Thursday and just said how important it was just to play for each other play for each other out there and have some fun. Who, who called the meeting? Um, that was just kind of a meeting between, it was really like me, Logan Lee, well, I mean all the guys, we kind of knew that we needed to have a meeting. So um, we meet together as a unit um, on Thursdays and then it may have been Friday that we went in the team room and just kind of had a, just a nice talk.
3: What all was, what was the message, what was said?
0: Just, just play for each other. Um, You know, a lot of us, we don't like, uh, we stay off our phones with um, the media and stuff, but um, it's hard not to see sometimes, you know, people on social media, you know, criticizing us for not getting to the quarterback and not being productive, but um, at the end of the day, um, it's us in that room and, just play for each other, and then, like I said, one of these one of these games will happen for us. We held a defensive line unit meeting on Friday before we left for the hotel, and we were just talking about how um, we've just been playing like super stuck up and tight, and super stressed about just uh, messing up our jobs. And we just said we're gonna we're gonna go out there and have fun and play together as a unit, and we're just gonna have fun the whole game. And we did that. I think we, I can speak for everybody on the D line, say that we had more fun this game than we than we have any of the other ones.
2: Six sacks, 12 tackles for loss will certainly make things a little more fun. Aaron Graves there with the podium game, first career sack for him. Now, listen, the, I think the narrative of, all oh, the boys came together and just, you know, had that kind of cinematic moment of like, guys, we need to have fun out there and go and go chase, chase what Iowa football is all about. I think that's a wonderful narrative, and it's a cool little story. I also think it helps the fact, and you guys were there, I was watching on TV uh, for yesterday, Hudson Card, who's – Darn good quarterback, we talked about that. He, uh, compared to Noah Kim with MSU, is not a guy who's going to tuck and run. He's mobile in the pocket. Noah Kim will go find his yards in the running game. Hudson Card will stay behind that line of scrimmage and look for opportunities to the point of detriment (laughs) in in some cases there. Throwing... Behind the I head mean, hat
4: passes. It's kind of well, too, because he, he can run. lot where credit's
2: due. I mean, he he hangs in there. You don't get to be second in the Big Ten in <laughs> passing yards coming into the game without hanging in the pocket and looking for stuff. Yeah. I think that also led to maybe more opportunities for sacks and, and yeah. TFLs because he was standing back there just looking for anything downfield mm-hmm. and you know would even just run straight along the line of scrimmage I'm not saying that the pep talk didn't help but I think there were some opportunities in what Purdue was trying to do offensively anyways
4: certainly I, I didn't and I wouldn't necessarily even credit all the tackles for loss to that I mean sure all of those that's were different, just you know yeah. handoffs that um you know they really just got in the backfield I mean I, certainly this year, I have not seen a quarterback quite as mi- miserable as Hudson Card was yesterday. I mean, kudos to him for finishing. I, I told Mike. There was a, a, that game was a nightmare for
2: they him. They had a shot halfway through the second quarter where you could almost hear the you enthusiasm. <laughs> he, I, he, I worried about him. Borderline worried about him. He came and it sounded like had some sort of chest discomfort or was mm. playing a little banged up already. But, boy, yeah. I mean, he looked Rough, but man, he he hung in, made some throws, and sure, and kept them in it, yeah, boy, a minute. But boy, he
4: he felt the full wrath of the Iowa defense. That's man, for sure. That is an Iowa defense with a chest full of anger and <laughs> ill intent yeah. to their enemy. because Says, set it with their chest.
3: Can, can, <laughs> can we take credit chest. for that? Because he's like, oh, we saw on social media people were saying they weren't getting to the credit or getting to the quarterback. And you know, if we're first take ing right now, <laughs> we should take credit for saying that.
2: <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. This yeah. is not that kind of show. Oh, this yeah. is not that kind of show. We, I all mean, they, Stephen they a, have, they have been asked a couple times during Tuesday media. Will uh, it be last couple, you know, a f- couple weeks ago? It was where are all the interceptions and all that, and obviously, again, we talked about MSU looking a little more downfield. Noah Kim trying to find those plays downfield. You get three interceptions against the Spartans. There were more questions this week about or the sacks. You know, I think they were last in FBS or something like that. Three sacks through yeah. five games. All of a sudden, you go up against a quarterback who's standing back there, looking for those plays, not running it like Kim does, and then he gets sacked
4: half a dozen times. So yeah. But certainly opportunities there. That that was just, I mean, that was a... I mean, again, you, you have to think that that player meeting maybe made some sort of a difference. Again, maybe we're making too much out of it, and this is just a one-week anomaly, but um, they all certainly went into that press room and talked about that player-led meeting. Brought up that,
3: multiple times without... Yeah. Yeah. Yes, without um, prompting.
4: Kirk some, didn't even know about it until we brought it up, I don't think, yeah, right?
3: Yeah, Kirk you know? said something funny. He, he goes... Um, they should meet every week. And then he goes like, you know, I don't know, usually player, players only meetings are for bad teams. Sure. <laughs> and, you know, I was five and one, so.
4: <laughs> yeah, it's true. There is,
2: I, and I'm, I'm gonna butcher the quote, but there's some, there's some analysis of teams and I think it goes beyond sports and just sort of, you know, groups in, in any walk of life of bad teams are led by no one, good teams are led by coaches, great teams are led by players. And so maybe that's an encouraging sign that the fact that they, hey, we know what we need to do for ourselves, Mm -hmm. even whatever measure of impact it may have had. The fact that a a very veteran group on that front seven said, hey, listen, like, let's take a minute and just, you know, circle the wagons. Buffalo Bills, Iowa Hawkeyes, nobody (laughs) circles the wagons like that. (laughs) Kirk Kirk even said he was like, hey, I think Joe needs to
4: have a player-led meeting every week.
2: (laughs) Why don't we just do that? Joe has has been, uh, again, we've talked about it a few times, just a a real delight to talk to Um, a guy who definitely keeps it fun for sure, yeah. but also you can you can tell he's he's got the respect of everybody in that room. Another guy who continues to build respect and and has had it for a while, and we're just finally now getting to to see the dividends of that. Jay Higgins, what another. Fantastic game for the senior out of Indianapolis, knows a lot of those Purdue guys, has been friends with Tyrone Tracy for a long time, Uh, had a big day as well. 12 tackles, his first career interception was a fun moment for him. Uh, Nick Jackson was at the podium talking about another big game for his fellow linebacker.
3: Jay finally got that pick. What was
4: his reaction? <laughs> I mean, it's Jay Higgins. I mean, at this point, are you surprised with anything
0: that he does I mean, <laughs> I mean, he's just a—he's a football player. Uh, it goes back to his preparation. Uh, he's up late night watching film. He's up early in the morning watching film. Uh, so he's just—he's going to be in the right spot every time. So you know, it's Jay Higgins. So I'm proud of him. I'm excited for him. Uh, and he got it
2: done. I think we're getting to the. Jay Higgins, and I, I love afterwards when he gets up. I don't know if he was trying to moonwalk or trying to a little backwards. <laughs> I don't know if that's a stumble or if that's a swagger, but uh, such a cool play. We are starting to get into the situation and what a situation it is. Jay Higgins might not be just the, the best player on this defense or arguably the best player. He's having an all American caliber season. I mean, he really is.
4: I mean, beyond numbers, you just watch the guy. He's everywhere. Yeah, he's a guy who, I mean, I think a couple of weeks ago I crunched the numbers about like if he he was averaging at that point like 10.4 tackles a game. And if he kept on that pace, he would get like third or fourth for single season records in sure. Iowa history for total tackles. But he's had, I think, 12 tackles the last two games, so he's bumping he's, that average up. I mean, wild. he's going to reach a, like a consistent record that's been around since... Probably not gonna break the record. The single season record for Iowa is has held since like nineteen seventy two or something like that. It's unbelievable. But you get top three, which is saying something for a defensive unit that always has incredible guys out there. I think uh, Chad Greenway and Abdul Hodge are number two and three yeah, on that list. I In the same season. Yeah. Boy, that, How that impressive was is he just
3: insane. you know anyway. a, even after like Jack, we bring it up almost every and everyone brings it up that Jack Campbell leaves and Jay Higgins, a guy who's just waited his turn, is just out there every day. Or every game, and, and when we get the the, the stat sheet, every, you know, in the post game, um, in the press room, his name's always at the top of the tackle list. Like almost every game, I believe. Pretty much,
4: um, and it's like they're not yesterday again is another example where it's like i don't know if there was a single eye-popping tackle there wasn't like a huge monster hit or something that was in the backfield he's just kind of in on every single play
2: i uh, joe evans kind of the same way a guy who uh, again maybe didn't have the the sack numbers that people were hoping for but we've talked about that a few weeks now too is that joe is just back there every single and there's a handful of guys like that shame on us you can see them in the backfield nonstop if you're watching this stream on youtube live uh if you're listening to the audio version, be sure to go to the Iowa's News Now YouTube page. We've always got game highlights. Owen had one of your... You shoot great every game, but you had you. A, a fantastic game getting to oh, you. come in uh, today and, and going through that. We'll see one of the, We'll sh- one of your savvy veteran moves we'll talk about in a little <laughs> bit as we get deeper into this. But if you want to see the video highlights, those are on the Iowa's News Now YouTube page if you're only listening to this in the, the audio version. So defense looks awesome. Super great. The offense... In Deacon Hill's first start, well, some shakiness. Six for 21, 110 yards, a touchdown and a pick. Numbers kind of speak for themselves. Deacon speaking for himself literally and figuratively after the game. Yeah, some QB1 first start jitters for the Badger-turned-Hawkeye.
0: I think it was pretty shaky, um, especially in the first half. But...
3: You know, I'm going to learn a lot from it. You know, it was a great opportunity to proceed and grow as a player and as a person. And I think it was, you know, we got the win, fortunately. And so I think there's a lot of room
0: for growth, but I thought I grew a lot as well. I think, uh, you know, first half I was a little jittery, uh, but I think when we came back on the second half, I did a great job of, uh, you know, trying to be a calm presence for the team. Uh, Not getting too rattled, not, you know, the O-line always apologizes if you get hit, but I
3: told him I don't mind. Just, you know, keep doing what you're doing. I trust you guys 100%.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, Deke. I'm surprised you said that he was jittery earlier because he didn't show it a bit and um, like his demeanor wise. But he um, he's just really a just a calm guy. You know, he's he never seems too too high or too low. He's always just someone you can you know rely on when it comes to you know bringing the team together and you know calming us down and stuff like that. So. You know, it wasn't really a, a surprise, you know, obviously, you know, some balls could have been better, but that's with every quarterback and, you know, he's he's getting better, you know, day by day and, um, you know, really not a doubt with Deacon with me. Well, I mean, you guys saw, saw him throwing uh, and I'm, I'm certainly not an expert on quarterback play, but, you know, from throwing baseballs, I know this, if, if you press or if you try to, you know, do too much, sometimes the ball sails and I'm guessing that's probably what it was. Uh, but I thought he, you know, kept his composure and then a couple of them we didn't help him on again. We're, you know, catch, you know, got to make the makeable plays. and We didn't always do a great job of that. But, you know, he hung in there, kept doing a good job. And that last one he threw down our right side and looked pretty good to me.
2: Yeah, a couple more drops there. The the interception was a ball to to Seth Anderson that really just went through Seth's hands. It was a tough one. And then it takes a, yep. a weird hop. reminded me of... Nate Stanley to Amir Smith-Marset against Minnesota in 2017. It was a similar one down that same Call sideline. Back. And it goes off Amir's hands and just drops right into uh, Minnesota safety's hands. J- very comparable. Uh, that A ball you got to catch, and it takes a weird carom and, and becomes an interception.
4: If I may have a side tangent before we go on. to Side tangent Hale. away. There needs to be a different statistic for interceptions like that. Because tipped it's interceptions like, for sure. Yeah. yeah, because it's like Deacon did nothing wrong there. I, I mm-hmm. thought it was a good pass. That, you it was know a hit very good pass. Hit Seth and he should have caught it. He should not be credited with an interception there. There either needs to be like... A different statistic that they literally like make up four plays like that that could be ruled kind of like how you do hits and errors in baseball where it's like a judgment call like oh the receiver should have had that or like just rule it a fumble instead or something. I mean
3: they have an advanced stat they have the I think interceptable pass. Oh really? Um, Yeah, I think it's behind a paywall on like Pro Football or whatever. (laughs) But um, I I think you know in that sense though he did throw one that probably should have been picked um, by the goal line Mm. uh, when I was rewatching the um, the highlights. Mm -hmm. So I guess interceptable passes take that one away. Yeah, take the one Still that the guy one. dropped. Yeah, well, it was a hard thrown ball, but and it would have been a tough play to make. Yeah,
2: there is, and and shame on me again for not knowing the exact terminology of it. But there's, I think, like a perceived completion percentage or something like that of mm. yeah. it factors in drops and and balls that are there. I think listen, there's there's only so much lipstick you can put on fifteen. Incompletions out of 21 attempts. You weren't about to call Deacon Hill a pig, were you? No, absolutely not. I, would not <laughs> I do didn't say such think a so. thing. I, I, <laughs> like, I like this kid too much. But you see the first half numbers there. There were drops. The, the glass half full view on this is that there was a, a pass batted down at the line. Uh, there was a third and goal a, after Cooper's interception where Lee Sean goes out on a wheel and he doesn't see him and he goes down the middle. I think he was going to Stilianos and uh, a Purdue defender was right there and, and dropped what could have been an interception. Uh, in the end zone probably good that he throws the ball that hard in that situation mm-hmm. a lot of these passes though were only high overthrow where nobody else was going to be able to they weren't in danger so to speak they, they were just a little a, a little a little high and and I, high and wide I definitely I mean well I mean that one yeah. to, to Nico <laughs> he's he's leading him and yeah it's a, a step or two ahead of him but it's not in any danger and I think there's another one here I like think this one's to, yeah, Deontay, that's, yeah, disguise on him. So that's you're the You're going to miss it this long, putting,
3: but, you know, 29%, that that definitely needs to improve if they're going to win next week.
2: But that one, yeah, that's
4: the one to to Seth. Seth has to catch that ball. Yeah. You know, it's, I mean, th- some of those over, like, I guess you're right. An overthrow is better than an underthrow because it's not getting intercepted. But, boy,
3: the touchdown it, pass is pretty though. Yeah,
4: three of 14 is tough, but that's,
2: this is where it doesn't forgive everything. And not that it's, forgiveness or whatever. There's no guilt here. Mm-hmm. But third and two, when Brian Ferentz dials up a play and says, hey, like we're going to trust you with a throw, and he throws a dime like that, mm-hmm. that alleviates, I think, some concerns of like, okay, when the chips are down and you put it on Deacon Hill, he can put it in a throw like that. That's
4: as, as pretty of a throw as you could ask for. Have Have we seen anywhere else where, there, uh, where it shows his uh, QBR for the game? I know that there it was, was two, didn't you say, Mike? For the yeah, pro- it was two. For the final?
3: Yep.
2: 6 of 21, 110 yards, touchdown pick. That's pretty rough. That's, uh, yeah, not ideal. The, the, um, nu- the numbers don't tell the whole story, but
4: they <laughs> there's a lot of chapters in there. That, that, that's for sure. That's a heck of a story. Um, yeah, and I, I was encouraged, like, boy, you know, we talk about how much we really like Deacon as a person. He's a fun guy to talk to. And again, in the post game presser, he, you know, you can tell he was a little disappointed with his performance, um, but he seems like a guy that, you know, can shake it off. And Eric all even said there, yeah, he was like, I didn't I couldn't even tell that he was shaky based on his demeanor out there like I think he maybe just had those jitters where it's his first game as a college quarterback and yeah. um you know he's going to come out and throw some he's going to airmail some passes and um hopefully you know move on to the next one cuz that that Wisconsin game next week is going to have some major storylines with it sure. uh, you know homecoming game for him
3: Really appreciate too the honesty cuz a lot of quarterbacks wouldn't come out and just say Hey, I had some jitters. Yeah. Uh, hey, I had some jitters, but you know, it's a little nervous. You know, first start, blah blah. A lot of people would just be like, "We need to get better." You know, to, uh, talk like that. You know, like mm-hmm. coach speak and stuff. So, sure.
2: I think there's probably the narrative of guys that don't get too high or too low, or kind of mundane. There's a better word than mundane, but you know what? They just they're a little more even keel. Whereas Deacon, he's. He, We've said that from the beginning that he's got a little more personality yeah. and a little more open, and so yeah, I think he still has that even keel mentality and approach, but he's still himself, and he's mm-hmm. a little more affable than you would normally see with a, an attitude like that, where you're not shaken up by a ton of things. I think he's still, and he's open and honest about it, yeah. which
4: is great. And now, I, oh, go ahead. I, I, I was just going to fish. I don't think it's in the. Or, oh, well, no, we're, we're going to talk about it a little bit, so carry on. <laughs> We've got the. <laughs> I rundown, just had to too. check the rundown here, but yeah, sure. we will Yeah, we'll get that. So there. I don't know
2: what you guys saw or if you guys thought about this at all, I nev- never at any point watching this game thought, boy, I wonder if they're gonna put Joe in and see what, what Joe Labus can do. That thought never crossed my mind. It did apparently for some people and Kirk was asked about that after the game. Is there any thought to go to Joe and- For what? Um, Joe and, Labus? Yeah.
1: Why, I mean, during the game? Yeah. No, the answer is no. No, Deacon, I mean, Deacon's our quarterback right now. Yeah. Wait, and, no. and that's no offense to Joe, but I mean, That'd be kind of silly. Make a change. <laughs>
2: that is the 2023 edition of What's the Upside? Um, <laughs> again, and I listen. I was in a really good position in terms of just what they have, all things considered, with quarterback. That you've got a guy in Joe Labis who spent all bowl prep as the one and started a bowl game and won a game mm-hmm. uh, against a good Kentucky team, wh- while not having to do a ton of stuff there. But he's also been out for a long time. And at what point in Kirk Ferrens' 25 years has he been a guy to like, oh, they had a bad 30 minutes, yoink. <laughs> it just, it, it never crossed my mind. I'm sure it, in, I think in a day and age where you see other teams work very quickly sometimes, whether it's wholesale changes on offense, pulling dude if he has a few bad drives and trying to mix things up, mm-hmm. that, I, you guys were there watching it. Did you ever get a sense from anybody
4: else or yourselves that that was a, a Thing on the table i personally never even had that thought I, and i it's funny because when when they asked that after the game i was like oh yeah i hadn't even thought about joe a single time i mean um yeah for for your first start to like have an idea that you sure. get pulled, yeah no way i mean i i think i'd be under the impression that if he struggles against wisconsin and then he's struggling against minnesota maybe you consider it but still you got to give this guy a little bit
3: more of a leash mike or meet myself. I'm on your boat, Owen. Oh, I did not. The only time I thought about Joe Labis when I was getting a warm up video, just in case something happened, you know. Um, but looking back at the stats, when you go into halftime, and I forget what the halftime score was. Let me pull up. it was 10-7, 10 7, wasn't it? Yeah, 10 7.
2: Because TJ Sheffield scored that.
3: The, Purdue had just scored. And when you look at the, the first half, Mitch, you, you brought up the first half stats, you know, three for f- 14, 28 yards a pick. Those to me, without watching the game, are benchable numbers. But Iowa was not. Besides that late touchdown, like, did not seem like the game was Purdue was, yeah. you know, gonna. Well, it was a three-point game. They, so yeah, yeah. they were the, the
2: late touchdown raised the eyebrows a little bit. Yeah. Like, okay, like, and, and <laughs> um, Iowa's defense out there for a lot of plays. I think they were on the field for 41 plays in the first half. So, wow. with that and a late score, I'm like, oh, like the formula. Not again. Iowa with a 10 nothing lead. It goes back to that stat they flashed during the. The Iowa State game, where I think Iowa's now like 67-2 since 2015 when leading by eight points. I mean, when they're up by that amount of uh, that score and that margin – they don't blow those leads, but that late that late touchdown had the had the thought creep in of like, boy, that's that's not a good one and with it's, the way the defense has been out there.
4: It's possible that we we never thought about Joe just because again we've kind of uh, we've grown accustomed to the quarterback numbers that we see at Iowa over the last few years, and so like if this was Bama and somebody puts up those kind of numbers, then you might bench that kid at halftime. But like at Iowa, we have not seen terribly impressive numbers from the quarterback spot over the last few seasons, so. Like, uh, let it play. Let's see how it goes. I think there, if he's three or 14 for 28
2: yards and like three picks yeah. or four picks. And the pick out, was
3: his, and the picks were his different. fault, not like. But even, even
2: then I'd go back to Stanzi 2009 against Indiana, throws four picks in one quarter. Granted, that was a day. I don't know if you remember that back in 09 where do, yep. the wind is whipping and I mean, you couldn't throw a ball 10 All yards without it being caught up in the air. And he threw one deep to DJK that was meant to be a 40-yard ball and stopped at like 25 and just kind of dropped down. That's it a little different, different. then because when Rick yeah. threw
3: a Rick six, you know the Hawks were going to win. Again, that's yeah. a little
2: weird that <laughs> I, year. I loved in our in our interview a couple weeks ago, he made some crack about like, yeah, I know it's tough to come back from pick six. Like, <laughs> you know, he threw four of them in 09 and things went well for the Hawkeyes. Six completions for Deacon Hill against the Boilermakers, five of them to Eric All, who had quite the day, his best day as a Hawkeye, one of his best days as a collegiate player of course of the 22-yard touchdown grab too that ended up being the uh, one of the deciding plays in this game big day for him so it was great to see again just a picture perfect ball from Deacon not just a great ball for him to catch I think both of his touchdowns well he had a short one from Cade in the first game against Utah State then he had the the screen last week against Michigan State that's his first one where he's got to be a little bit of a, a true receiver and then this was a great throw too to oh great to set up and that's that's what Eric All can do, folks. That's why, that's why it's so tantalizing to have him in this offense now, particularly with Luke Lachey out. And then, boy, he, he can kind of catch the ball wherever. That's, it's fun having a guy like that who has the, the mindset and the skill set of a wide receiver. But, again, he's probably one of the best blockers out there too outside the offensive line. He, he had some blocks uh, to open up holes for LeSean and Caleb. And we'll get to Caleb here in a little bit where, boy, he – he doesn't look like the, the boat most physically imposing blocking tight end, like maybe like prototypical look you might think, but
4: man, he he knocks dudes. Over the first three games, I mean, with, with Lachey in there, you're like, all right, Eric's going to be a nice like uh, safety net. Sure. Uh, you know, Cade's got a relationship with him, so you know, he'll be a good second, you know, number two tight end, but like, dude, this dude is like a first-round draft pick now. He like, he's incredible. He, he
3: looks like an NFL receiver or NFL tight end, yeah, five, I agree.
2: five catches, 97 yards. When you've got a guy who's averaging almost 20 yards a pop on a reception and he's a tight end, yeah. um, again, that quintessential tight end to you folks, yeah. yeah. the grad program alive and well as well. But, of course, the day belonged to number two. Great to see Caleb Johnson in the backfield. 17 carries, 134 yards, and that 67-yard touchdown on, I believe it was his second touch of the day, Talk about announcing your presence with authority. Uh, Caleb's got some history with some of these Purdue players, of course, had a great game in West Lafayette last year. Uh, He spoke about that relationship and and maybe some of the dialogue uh, between 2022 and 2023 after the game. Mm, It's
0: just like, I feel like against them, it's just personal to me because I got a lot of people that I know on that team. So it's just like we lot of just stuff talking to each other on the phone for the game. So it's just... This this. that's what it is, basically, so.
2: stuff talking. <laughs> I'll let you, is uh, cleaning it up. figure that out. Yeah, um, boy, this was, let's talk about a veteran move on the camera work <laughs> by Owen Sebring here. <laughs> this is a fantastic shot, A. Uh, I right mean, there, you got sometimes it. Sometimes
4: you're just in the right spot at the right time. But like folks, just came right but at
2: other you. times you know what you're going to do. So I maybe got cut out there. Um, are we having some video playback? Maybe some issues here, Mike. It's a little choppy. We'll see if we oh, get it there. We go. Here. A but so here's as we gloss over just a great run. Watch the camera lens and what it does here. Oh after, no! This
3: this is um. Oh, it, this is the your your YouTube video. The videos that this is the YouTube. I, I downloaded too high of quality, so they're they're oh, messing with yeah, the screen. Oh yeah, that was
2: like a gig that I sent off yeah. for Caleb. Sorry, you had a big game, Caleb. My bad. <laughs> um, Owen switched a filter like on the fly on the camera, which is basically like changing a quick camera setting to get this awesome moment right before he goes and blows a kiss to the crowd. Yeah. It was just
4: it, was, it was a savvy veteran move. <laughs> I was going to give you some depth. For that. I mean, our, our cameras are so great because they have such powerful zooms on them that I can, see, you know, Those I can stand ones. in the yeah. end zone and see something happen on the other 20 yard line. So that's why it's great. You know, you can see him coming all the way at me, but you know, when you're on the powerful zoom, you know, a, a guy who's right next to the camera, you're going to be just seeing his eyeball rather than his <laughs> whole face. And so just got to like, back that baby up so you can uh, get a full shot of him you know blowing the kiss he came over and I was like is he is he coming I thought he was coming to the camera when he turned too. around. Well, I was watching it back this morning. Come like, on, come my on. My angle like, looked like, like he was going something. straight
3: to your camera. <laughs> yeah. I'm,
4: and he did, he like you. You asked him about me. it, like, oh,
3: didn't you? <laughs> Owen. What's that? You asked Caleb about blowing the kisses, oh, right? Oh yeah.
4: Cause it looked like he I mean he kinda turned around, was like going back to the sideline, and then he like doubled back and kinda came over and I again thought he was coming to me, but he like <laughs> elbowed me out of the way. <laughs> and then he wanted to go over to the fans and, you know, give him a big
2: smooch. See, we were spoiled because I think it was the holiday bowl. Zach Hanley had a smith Marset. I think it was on the the sweep that you ran in for a score literally runs right up to Hanley's camera and gives him a thumbs up. <laughs> and now every, every time a guy's coming towards us, I'm like, we're going to get another one of these. Bring and it, it never, it, that it. never happens.
4: I, there are times where somebody's, you know, if somebody's scoring a touchdown in high school, college, whatever, and they're like coming right for me, I'll, I'll sometimes give them a little bit like, Give one of these. Yeah, like, come on, good. give me something good.
2: Uh, Caleb again, seventeen for one thirty-four and a score. LeSean Williams very quietly thirteen carries, seventy-four yards, uh, without a run longer than seventeen. So he had a great game. If you take away the the kneel downs and Deacon's sack and the the high snap where he lost a big chunk of yards, thirty-one carries for Iowa's rushing attack. For, I think I'm doing the math right here, 212 yards, which again, even if you take the 67-yard route, that's a nice little clip. Uh, again, the, the offensive line has really shown some stuff uh, the last few weeks, especially now you get Caleb back. Uh, good to see the the running attack opening up a little bit more.
3: Not to be the Debbie Downer of the bunch, but you go. I think it needs to be asked, you know, this offense, I don't think Purdue has a very good defense. Um, we talked about how
2: good they were at sacks coming into this yeah, game, though. Yeah. I, 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 I think they only had
3: one. Yeah. Yeah. But are you concerned that Iowa's offense couldn't just shut the door on the Boilermakers and or, I feel like there are more points out there. Kirk even said so last night. Um, 20 points against this Purdue team, you know, like they did enough to win, and that's always the Iowa way. Yeah. But I think heading into, especially next week, have to be a little bit concerned that this this, this offense can move. And it
2: score. was it was pointed out for certain contractual things that people have spoken about for eight months now that there there was an opportunity to maybe score once more after that final fourth down stop uh, in Purdue territory. Uh, I, again, I, th- I think it comes down to a couple missed throws, maybe keep drives alive, and you know things like that. So yeah, there, there's probably a co- couple scoring drives
3: left out there. Another thing we they took back. I took a step back from when last week. There were zero catches from receivers. I know Seth had – is that right? No, Seth had a catch. No, he had a carry.
2: Seth had, Sorry. Seth had a carry. It was yeah. Caleb had a catch and then the rest of the,
3: the – Seth flyer, had a drop like that would have been one, but not a lot of targets. And that's, you know, I think Nico had a target. Nico had a target. Last Fiance week there couple, was what, like – Seth had a couple. Uh, maybe close to 10 targets to receivers. And I think it was more than that. Yeah. It I think it, it might have been like 13 or 14, but just a step back there. And I don't know if that was – I mean – Bring up a good, someone brought up a good point this year that when you have Eric All and you know back when you had Lachey why not use those you know people gave Kirk and Brian some uh, criticism when they had Noah and TJ and they didn't seem to target them as much as maybe some fans wanted to so there's a little bit of that because Eric's a good receiver but still a little concerning and you know I don't you know, don't yeah. know what to say else about that
2: Eric's making some wide receiver plays out yeah. there yesterday yeah. too I mean that one down the middle is a, a thing of beauty there's not many tight ends go up and get a ball like that but Eric all certainly has that skill set there is some and we talked about this on Wednesday a little bit Noah Shannon I, you you scoff, didn't scoff you were taken aback I, by me saying 100%, 100% that he plays this was a high year 100% I I have no reason not to double down on that now it sounds more and more 200% that there is a lot of confidence. It might happen earlier than we initially thought that Noah Shannon is going to play this year for the Iowa Hawkeyes. The NCAA announced a few days ago they're going to go reconsider the reinstatement guidelines for sports wagering. Again, Noah has been out for the year because betting on a a team at the University of Iowa, not a football team, otherwise he'd lose all eligibility, but play some sort of wager that has him suspended for the season. Kirk, after the game, saying they've heard what we've all seen and boy, things seem to be moving in the
1: right direction. Yeah, I think, I don't know if I'm allowed to say we have encouraging news, but I think we have encouraging news. So I'll, I'll verify that Tuesday, but at least, yeah, hopefully, uh, I wish everything had happened sooner in this whole scenario. Yeah, and if the world were perfect, it would have. But, um, you know, it's any encouraging news is a good thing. So we'll, I'll, I'll know more Tuesday, but we're optimistic. You know, anytime you have a veteran guy, uh, and it's ironic, you know, the, he's a six year guy. We had three six year guys this year and you know, he's been out. So any time you um, get a guy back with his experience and the quality of person he is, his leadership, that, that's always a plus. But I, I gotta tell you, the big bigger issue for me, not so much in May, but now as I've watched this whole thing unfold, uh, to me the whole story is just the, um, you know, when, you, when you have to explain to a player or his parents something that doesn't make sense, right? You compare this to that, and the player and the parent can look at a million examples that are more egregious and then you look that that was a hard part to make something that can't make sense try to make sense so and then to watch him walk around feeling like he's done something wrong which we understand he he's understands he broke broke a rule but i mean is that worth capital punishment it's just it's silly and I, i think that um that's been the hardest thing for all of us
2: yeah he's kirk's maintained that from the beginning, since we talked, I think, in, in August 21st, revealed that it was a season-long suspension, that no crime was committed here. A rule was broken, certainly, by Noah Shannon. He's acknowledged that. I mean, heck, he had the wherewithal to pull himself out of Big Ten media days because of his involvement. And, uh, yeah, a great parallel of explaining something that doesn't make sense. That's, boy, what a paradox that sounds like. We're supposed to learn more on Tuesday about Noah's situation, eligibility, whatever that may be. Sounds very encouraging. We talked on Wednesday that the NCAA had said they wanted to at least have things ready for a vote by the middle of October, by the end of October voting on this.
4: I get the sense this might be happening a heck of a lot quicker than that. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think that we'd see Noah next week, but I could almost see like that uh, the Minnesota game, yeah. that home game, the following week, possibly we might we might see Noah Shannon out there on the field. I wonder if by Tuesday, maybe maybe this all gets figured out Tuesday,
2: and he's back at practice mm-hmm. this week. Yeah, yeah gets I can see that. not a full week of practice, but a few days still out for Wisconsin, and then he's got a little a little more preparation time heading to Minnesota. But listen, the damage has been done to a certain extent. He's missed six games of his sixth year that he came back for had a shot to probably go pro and and figure stuff out in the NFL. The fact that they are getting him back now, again, a month removed from thinking he wasn't going to come back at all, Mm -hmm. it's – It's a weirdly bittersweet feel-good story because how awesome that roar for the Kinnick crowd when he comes out and and everything. And boy, the player introduction. You think Tory Taylor gets a big cheer? (laughs) Noah Shannon comeback game is going to hear a roar. No one's getting higher than Torrey. (laughs) My my sister went to her first Hawkeye game in a while uh, the other day. She goes, why did... Or not the other day, yesterday. And she texts me. She goes, why do they cheer when it's fourth down for Iowa? I'm like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Let me tell you about Tori Taylor. She she was a little taken aback by that. Um, so I do explain that to her. But it it's still the bittersweetness of it sh- probably shouldn't have ever been this situation mm-hmm. where a dude is missing half of this year over a thing. Again, uh, explaining to people something that doesn't make sense. But yeah. Noah Shannon, by all accounts, is more than likely... Going to get some games in 2023 yeah you, you and can't be mad about that
4: yeah I, I certainly i love to see it and i i wouldn't be surprised again to see him at some point be uh be named a captain out there you know possibly there for the coin toss in midfield i feel like there's enough respect in that locker room that he'd be that that guy that might be out there um it's worth noting too. And I forget if maybe I just mentioned this to Mike yesterday, but somebody pointed out to me on Friday that like, I don't know, I was chatting with somebody about um, just the upcoming wrestling season and like, you know, potential transfers or whatever. And I was like, oh man, yeah, but they're, you know, potentially going to be missing a lot of folks this season with some suspensions. Um, But he was like, if the NCAA reverses their stuff, like they might all be good to go because I don't, Tell me if I'm wrong. This is what he told me and this guy knows wrestling. He was like, you can't gamble on wrestling? Or like, As far as I know. I, so, I haven't, so not, gonna, I haven't gone too far down the rabbit hole. but I. So these are not guys who would be gambling on their own team, obviously. No. So it's like all of those guys that were wrestlers that were potentially going to be missing this season, they're all coming back then.
3: I actually think there's one book and I think and I'm just having a memory of listening to the Iowa Everywhere pod because they're with Circus Sports. I think they came up with a line for Iowa State specifically, but they don't do it like okay. I could be wrong on that, but I think they had that Yeah. Um, and they don't do that for every like meet.
2: Right. Okay. But again, we'll, we'll learn more on Tuesday and certainly uh, on social media and on, on Iowa's news now. We'll get all those updates out there and certainly we'll talk quite a bit about it in Wednesday's podcast, getting ready for Wisconsin. But speaking of spreads and lines and all things picks, again, uh, this is the time of the podcast where I point out it was a terrible idea for us to base picks this year on spreads because we're not that great at it. Uh, But this is what we have after this past week. Uh, Nebraska and Illinois playing Friday. Uh, Boy, Illinois, man.
3: (laughs) So disappointing. We are here
2: Friday in Casey and as we've established as an Illini fan and that young man is going through something here in 2023.
3: I thought they'd be so much better than they are yeah and they did lose a lot to the NFL on defense they just
2: turned the, turn yeah. the ball over man is a, a great player but eight picks is uh that's a rough spot boy Maryland looked like they were going to be uh mm-hmm. the story of the weekend for a while there in Columbus they ended up getting a push in a 20-point loss but man, like I said they they get to host Michigan and Penn State in the back half of the year and uh Maryland showed at least for a half in Columbus until uh, more impressed with Ohio State getting things put together and yeah. And,
3: and Ohio State actually play. covered the actual spread at, at kickoff. They was sure. It went down to seventeen, but when we did this on Wednesday, it was twenty. Just a sure. note. Um, I mean,
4: hats off to Howard keeping it within three against Northwestern.
3: That was shocking. Like, especially when they get you know they went ten ten at half against Penn State last week and FCS Howard. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they're good in FCS. Who knows? I'm not going to look no, into that.
4: <laughs> they are not. I mean, you're not going to just type Howard football into Google like I am right now to see what they've got. Uh, two and three. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, a, they're a HBCU out of uh, the D.C. area, and so it's like they, I think playing a conference at like, they don't even... Like, the HBCU conferences don't even, like, get an automatic spot in the playoffs for FCS. I mean, they're, That's true. Yep. they're not regarded as great football programs.
2: They so. opened with a loss at Eastern Michigan in Ypsilanti, 33-23. Uh, beat Morehouse College, 65-19. Lost to Hampton, 35-34. Beat uh, Robert Morris, 35-10. The, uh, the alma mater of uh, hmm. our Iowa's News Now colleague, Kaylee, Kaylee Whitlatch.
4: Sure.
2: Um, I believe Wale. Played football for Robert Morris. From the, <laughs> I'm a big Wale guy, man. Big Wale
4: guy. Um, uh, and then they lose in Evanston to Northwestern. But yeah, just again, at Northwestern boy. I mean, I was going to be playing them in a few weeks, right after the bye. I, I, another team. It's hard to make heads or tails of what this Northwestern team is. Um, gosh, so Mitch, Mitch, finally having that good week that he needed. I yeah, Rutgers was happy to to see that. I, I think that was an 11 point Badger
2: win. Correct.
3: Yep, 11 points.
2: Uh, uh, yeah, that. That Rutgers team is who they are.
3: They scored a late touchdown, too, st- they they with four to minutes left. They, Wisconsin was covering.
2: We'll take back doors. Uh, boy, I don't know how much you guys got to watch that, that Michigan-Minnesota game, but calliak Manis throws a pick-six first play, and mm. uh, things just got sideways real, real quick for the Gophers there. Michigan rolled. That's as, as good as Michigan's looked against one of the best teams they've played. I Minnesota when they when they have their game they're kind of like Iowa in that sense if they keep things kind of at their tempo and what they want to do they can they can win those kind of ugly games in the trenches with the the running game there is as good as anybody, but boy, when things get away, they, they can
4: get away quick. I think maybe I need to retire from uh, any Minnesota picks from now on too, just like we're retiring from Illinois picks. Are you over for, for Minnesota? This <laughs> I mean, year? I feel like they've killed. Their, uh, what know, go- first, on man.
2: Mitch's knowledge too much. To, <laughs> to, well, yeah, it's to it's been rough. For, well, Mike and I were talking about this before we started recording. So Cole Kramer's the the backup quarterback from Minnesota. But he's and he's played quite a bit since a freshman. Freshman year, uh, but he's been the Wildcat guy. So I don't know. Caliak Manis is probably the guy there, but kind of the same boat as uh, as Altmaier a little bit. Six touchdown passes, but he's got six picks, and you know, even going back to the opener against uh, Nebraska, I believe that was a Thursday night uh, on Fox. Just uh, fires a little high, accuracy is a little bit of a thing, but that's. Uh, and again, I think Minnesota's receiving core. Maybe I can't remember if. Uh, oh, Brockington uh, might be out still but uh that's that's the gopher situation we'll worry about them next week uh right now it'll be getting ready for that wisconsin game i we'll get into final thoughts here just in a bit i talked about this with mike too i wonder if you know d can talk about being jittery does he feel a little more comfortable for his first road start going to a place that he knows fairly
4: well. Yeah, a little familiarity. I, I would, I would be a little worried. I guess if I was an Iowa fan, just uh, I mean, going back to Wisconsin, where those guys really are going to, you know, yeah. the, the students are going to be, you know, really letting them have it, and um, I mean, it's the jitters are not going to ease up at all uh, come next week, so that would uh, concern me potentially a little bit.
3: Yeah, um, I'd but, be, I'm, I'm a little concerned for next week. I think coming into the season though, um, if you're picking two losses, you know, maybe you'd pick. Penn State and Wisconsin, so in that sense, maybe the pressure's off that, you know, I guess the pressure to win the West, though, if you want to, if this team wants to win the West, which they do, mm-hmm. you're going to have to beat Wisconsin because um, I believe they have no Big Ten losses as they of right now.
2: 2-0, 4-1 overall. Of course, the the loss to Wazoo. Um, yeah, so that's, the, the road to the West is going to go through Wisconsin. Yep. I mean, it's, it might not be completely decided next Saturday at Camp Randall, 3 o'clock on Fox 28, but uh, uh a big swing of which way the
4: West could go is, is probably yeah. going to be decided there at Camp Randall. Largely. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I would be like, yeah, I, I would really love to see Deacon take a step in the good right direction. And another week of practice certainly can't hurt just to yeah. get a little bit more comfortable with and that. And of course, Jazz, Jazz Patterson might be back there.
2: Uh, we were talking about maybe he uh, just needed one more week after Purdue and he comes back. It would be nice to have yeah. the full fleet of running backs healthy. Certainly again, Lee Williams, uh, a, a really nice day behind an explosive day from Kayla, but, you know, uh, another week to, to maybe get healthy a little bit. You were missing Nick DeYoung on the offensive line yesterday as well. Um, Connor Colby, I think he's been banged up a little bit. Mason Richmond was questionable, but he was out there. So you get another week to hopefully get DeYoung back, your most versatile uh, lineman. And, yeah, you're going to need all hands on deck anytime you walk into, whether it's Barry Alvarez or who, or Luke Fickle or whoever's coaching up there, Paul Crist, it's, it's Wisconsin. It's a battle for the Heartland Trophy you're going to need.
4: All your facilities and all your uh, all your weapons with you for sure. Yeah, uh, it, I mean we really did get a chance to see. I know we were going to maybe this Wednesday recap some of our preseason picks and see how they're coming along. Sure. Um, Caleb Johnson, who we pick, who at least I picked as my uh, offensive MVP pre- prior to the season. Boy, yesterday was really the game where you can see what this guy can do. Yep. I mean, he is so good and such a huge weapon on that offense. I mean, last week, boy, that rushing game was non-existent against mm-hmm. Michigan State. And so w- just put Caleb back in that role, and he can do a lot. And Lee Sean's a great, like, again, a great, like, backup to him where he can come in and do some things. Like, th- just those two together, a great one-two punch. And, again, if Jazz is in that mix as well, th- I mean, that running back room can be... Very dangerous
3: if they're all healthy. We'll see if that little game changer. Is. Like, yeah, I wouldn't want to know what the game was like if that sixty-seven-yard touchdown wasn't scored in the first quarter. Yeah. You can little pressure off him, you know, and jump out to that ten-nothing league. Probably could have been even yeah. even larger lead, but but still playing. Maybe at a zero-zero if Purdue scores, it's it's a whole different game. I think a little bit.
2: Did we get any updates on Ostrenga? He was out as well, Addison
3: Ostranga. Yeah. I don't think anyone actually asked about him, which. Yeah.
2: So I don't See, think I'm so. I'm guessing something happened during practice week or something like
4: that. Another thing, just as you mentioned Estranga, that maybe is a little bit of a concern of mine for the offense is that, like you know, when when Lachey was healthy, they kind of knew like, boy, we've got a couple of great tight ends here with with Lachey and and Eric all out there. I mean, after Lachey went down, it was kind of understood that Stilianos would be the number two tight end, and we've not. Really seen hardly anything out of him over the last three games since he came in as that number two guy. He was the target on that one, uh, that third and goal play I was talking about where Lee Sean was
2: out on the wheel. That's that's who Deacon was looking for. Yeah. Went a little too far with the ball and again threw it um, pretty close to a, a Purdue defender, could have made a pick. But So I think maybe he's looking for him, but that's also, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it takes a little while to, to find your number two tight end, at least in terms of targets and where you're going to
3: look. I wouldn't look mind what, seeing like a little philosophy change, maybe take. You know, I, I think Yanos is a good backup, but yeah. um, you know, I, th- I still have confidence in Vines, Anderson, and Reganey. So like Reggini, so like maybe put three receivers out there more. I, n- I know it's, it's I don't. They don't went know five how
2: many. wide quite a few times too. So I think they're.
3: How much of it was uh, All and Stilianos? <laughs>
2: <laughs> they went five wide. But...
3: <laughs> I mean, All is basically do you not one
2: I would use their tight ends. <laughs> it's gonna be part of the puzzle.
3: I like All being out there for all of the plays. He's, yeah,
2: again, between what he can do as a receiver, what he can do as a blocker, he's been everything you could have hoped for coming in from from Ann Arbor. It's been nice to see, and we'll see what he does in a big rivalry game next week in Madison, the Battle for the Heartland Trophy. Again, you can watch that on FOX 28. We'll break everything down with our Wednesday edition of Eye on the Hawks, uh, going live Wednesday afternoon. But uh, final quick thoughts as we play the outro music, anything uh, you guys want to look forward
4: to quick? You think Jesus knew that dinosaurs existed? Uh, no, uh, the, the, yesterday was a chance that we were going to talk about um, what's the identity of this Iowa team and, and who are they going to be moving forward? I still don't know if i have a good look but i think that they looked impressive enough that the defense you're like you're starting to grow a lot more confident in the defense, defense it's gonna test. be a tough
3: one in camp Randall. i yeah i don't have a lot of faith in the offense but the defense i think will keep it keep us in there
2: all right well we'll uh, jump to some clue some conclusions before we jump around to madison on wednesday with eye on the hawks for mike and owen i'm mitch we'll see you on wednesday as we get ready for the battle for the heartland trophy